Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This week, the rock in Skyscraper. We're struggling for an adjective. This is stupid. Edie is a love letter to Scotland and to actress Sheila Hancock. Give that a go. Put some hairs on your chair. Oh, thank you. Oh, come on, it's part of the course. You've got to do it. That's nice, yeah? And another real-life castaway saga, Adrift. Hurricane Raymond has taken an unexpected turn and has been upgraded to a Category 5. We need to make sure everything's secure. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Despite a deep-seated aversion to personal risk, I do sort of understand the appeal among certain daredevil adventurers of putting themselves in harm's way. They like to test themselves, whether it's up unclimbable mountains, across trackless stretches of ocean, or simply enduring seemingly endless movies. The appeal for filmmakers of these often real-life stories is understandable too. The cast is necessarily cut to the bare minimum. Generally, one biggish name will suffice. And done properly, the audience will remain on the edge of its seat for two hours. This is the Virginia Jean with an SOS call. Over. The key phrase, of course, is done properly. One-man shows like Robert Redford in All Is Lost, Tom Hanks in Castaway, and James Franco in 127 Hours, and one-woman shows like Sandra Bullock in Gravity put huge pressure on the director to keep our interest up for the length of a movie. I had a daughter. A little girl with brown hair. Tell her that I'm not quitting. There's certainly a built-in tension where a lead character is in extreme danger, but the trick is developing some traditional drama without other characters. Life of Pi found a way by giving the titular hero a combination of friend and foe called Richard Parker, who happened to be a Bengal tiger. You 
can alter time frames. You can bring flashbacks into play. You can mess with the character's head, but you still come down to a person in severe peril, hoping he or she will come out of it in one piece. Hey there, Aaron. Is it true you didn't tell anyone where you were going? Well, this week offers three different sorts of people in peril movies. There's a charming little entry into the popular plucky old lady genre, E.D., where, against all odds, veteran actress Sheila Hancock attempts to climb a Scottish mountain and discovers herself. I think we'll just start off nice and slow. All right, there. Many people have a view like that. What you're doing up here is kind of inspiring. Another popular destination for people in peril is out in the open seas. In the case of Adrift, the least populated part of the Pacific Ocean. Will our heroine, real-life adventurer Tammy Oldham, manage to survive a hurricane and make it to dry land? But the biggest, best and safest thrills are offered, as Willy Wonka once said, by pure imagination. Real life is all very well, but can it offer a building twice the size of any actual one? Or a star like The Rock, also twice the size of a normal one? Dwayne Johnson's back in Skyscraper. You okay? Yeah, I'm good, just a little nervous. Well, you look very handsome. I just don't want to screw it up, you know? You have been preparing for this meeting for six months. You've got this. Say what you like about Dwayne Johnson, formerly known as wrestler The Rock. You can't deny he puts the work in. Skyscraper is his third movie this year, and it's only July. But it's hard to be churlish about Johnson. Kids love him, and you can see why. With that astonishing physique and that guileless earnestness, he's an action figure brought to life. Skyscraper gives Dwayne Johnson something extra to work with, a prosthetic leg. The film opens on a flashback to when Will Sawyer was an FBI agent. It didn't end well. You ever miss it? I haven't touched a gun in ten years. After what happened that night. FBI, show me your hands! I just put my sword down, you know. But ten years on, Will seems happy with a new leg, a wife, a family and a job as security consultant. We establish his happy family credentials with a quick round of Which Child Does Dad Prefer? A gag that isn't quite as cute as the film seems to think. Let me ask you a question. Daddy loves who? Me. Daddy loves who? Me. Daddy loves who? Me. 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 Can't be. Can't be. Confidence. Not confident. Dad loves who? Me. Me. Okay, okay. You know what? You're both right because... Daddy loves you both. Will has been hired as a security consultant for a Hong Kong billionaire and his new building, the biggest skyscraper in the world called The Pearl. When I say the biggest skyscraper in the world, I mean three times bigger than the Empire State Building. Why, you wonder, has no one seen the towering inferno? 
Mr. Sawyer, is your family enjoying their stay? Very much so. They're shocked you gave us the entire floor. After your security assessment, what do you think of the building? With all due respect, he's a glorified security guard. Well, it seems not, nor is anyone remotely worried at the presence of weaselly Australian actor Noah Taylor lurking in the background. To my knowledge, Taylor has never played anything but a devious villain since he first oiled his way onto the screen. You've built a vertical city, but you've brought with it every single safety and security challenge that I could think of. We thought this floor was empty. So did I. Not only have you brought them all indoors, but you've trapped them 240 floors in the air. No one really knows what would happen if things go wrong. But I'm just a glorified security guard, so what the hell do I know anyway? But the lead villain has just appeared down in the residential area of the Pearl, a sinister odd job man armed to the teeth with flamethrowers who surprises Mrs. Will Sawyer and the kids. Well, next thing you know, he's set fire to the entire floor. Let it burn. The 96th floor is on fire. Sarah, listen to me. The fire is not going to stop. Keep going up. Don't stop. Don't look back. So here's the situation. We've got the billionaire stuck at the top of the skyscraper. The Rock's wife and kids are playing hide-and-seek with the janitor from hell on the 96th floor, currently ablaze. And outside, The Rock is helpless because the cops have just arrested him for some reason, being awesome or something. Get back! Whoa, 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 you don't understand. My family's in there. Turn around! But with one bound, the rock escapes the cops. With another bound, he climbs up a giant crane next to the blazing building. And with a final bound, he leaps several hundred feet into the flames. I know, but they can do wonders with prosthetic limbs these days. Jumped off a super crane. What? Now, if you've gone to see Dwayne Johnson in a film called Skyscraper, it's unlikely you're going to be asking too many questions. Why would anyone build such a ridiculously big building, for instance? Or why would anyone try and burn it down from the inside? Or how impossible is just about every feat the rock pulls off? Just the man I was looking for. This building is protecting something that I want. You're going to get it for me. Anything can be done with the proper motivation. No! Don't worry about it is the answer here. Suffice to say, Will manages to locate his family in the biggest building on Earth, hauls them to safety through the biggest fire imaginable, and still finds time to fit in a quick game of which child does Dad prefer before letting them out. In order to be brave, you got to be a little scared. i got to get you out of this building. And I need you to be brave right now, OK? Yeah. Dad loves you. Me. It's Die Hard Without the Wit or the Stellar Villain. Danish actor Roland Moller is unpleasant enough, but no threat to the late Alan Rickman. It's the towering inferno without the cast of thousands. Dwayne Johnson is really the only name actor here. It's every dumb thriller you've ever seen with an added naked bid for the huge Chinese market. I'm taking that drive to the roof. You could either be attached to it or not. 
It's your choice, Joe. All right. So what's the plan? Got any duct tape? But Dwayne Johnson's charm covers a multitude of sins, and as I say, Johnson's fans aren't particularly picky. They want to see their man taking on the bad guys, surrounded by ridiculous danger, and doing it for his family. What's going on? The 96th floor is on fire. We are going to be just fine, I promise you that. No, 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 no! Tell me, how much do you love your family? The fact that it makes very little objective sense is irrelevant. So long as The Rock flexes those impossible biceps a few times and raises that eyebrow at least once, everyone's got their money's worth. Before seeing a little Scottish film called Edie, I'd rather forgotten about veteran actress Sheila Hancock. I do remember her on the arm of her husband, the late actor John Thor. And back in the primitive past of British television, she was in a kitchen sink sitcom called The Rag Trade with Barbara Windsor. You only live once. Yeah, and I know. Hey, by the way, don't forget yourself. Now, well into her 80s, Sheila Hancock finally gets her name above the title, playing a woman who never got a chance until now. Edith Moore spent the last 30 years caring for her invalid husband. When he dies, her daughter Nancy takes her to the local old folks' home. Hear that, Mum? Come on, you could do your gardening here. There's no song quite as depressing as a sing-along version of Doing the Lambeth Walk, and Edie can't face it. But looking through some old papers, she finds a postcard from a former life, a picture of Mount Sylvan in northern Scotland. Nancy, I'm letting you know I'm going away for a few days. Edie catches the train north, laden down with antique camping gear. She gets off at the Inverness station where she bumps into a young couple, Johnny and Fiona. Literally, they're in such a rush they knock her over. Fiona hurries off to catch her own train while Johnny tries to make amends by driving Edie to her hotel. So should I at least get your name or something? Edith Moore. You're not thinking about going up Sylvan, are you? Now, the first thing you notice about Edie is the script is a little clunky and underpopulated. To work properly, this story needed to be fleshed out with colourful Highland characters, a few subplots and so on. Director Simon Hunter comes from a commercials background and it shows. It looks good, but it's a little lacking in substance. The smart ones, they take someone up experience up that moon. Who? That'll be deducted from your fee. 
But the second thing you notice is the star, or more important, the star's face. Sheila Hancock has the most extraordinarily expressive face, sometimes hard and flinty, sometimes warm and attractive, always in motion. And she works particularly well with young Kevin Guthrie as Johnny, best remembered from the Proclaimers musical Sunshine on Leith. There's no stuff about camping. Give that a go. Put some hairs on your chest. Oh, thank you. Oh, come on, it's part of the course. You've got to do it. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah? So Edie benefits immensely from its two leads, particularly Sheila Hancock, who, like Edie, is clearly a lot fitter than she looks. Mount Sylvan is a test for climbers half her age. It looks like a big pyramid rising over the craggy banks and braes of the highlands. As the story continues, the unlikely mountain climber and her coach bond and start talking about their lives and what brought them to this spot. Edie has put off her big adventure to just about the last possible moment, while Johnny looks like he may never escape the one-horse town he's trapped in. I'm not able to do it. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Well, it's late in the film to bring this much plot in, but the story and the star carry it. It is not perfect, but it does get better as it goes along. You want to know the character, and it's a tribute to the cunning of Sheila Hancock that she lets you in gradually rather than all at once. I've wasted so much time doing nothing. I'm going to get you up that mountain. It's not done. And once Edie takes off alone to climb her mountain, you really want her to succeed against the odds. We've seen quite a few plucky older ladies recently, but none who've had to overcome so many physical obstacles. Edith Moore, the character, achieves greatness. Edie, the movie, doesn't quite do that, but it's hard not to fall in love with the actor. After all those years being on someone's arm, Sheila Hancock finally steps into the spotlight. Good luck. If filmmaking is a collaborative art, some collaborators are more important or more visible than others. For some reason, it's okay to notice the actors or the director, but if you're aware of the work of the cameraman or the composer or the editor, then somehow they're not doing their job properly. They're getting in the way of the picture. You must be a sailor too, I take it. I don't know that I would consider myself a sailor. Oh, come on. Not like you. <laughs> you are. Do you want to take her out? Huh? Any time. You think you might want to go sailing with me? Well, I'm as guilty of this snobbery as anyone, but as far as editors are concerned, I make an exception for New Zealander John Gilbert. John cut the first and best Lord of the Rings movie. He won an Oscar last year for his work on Hacksaw Ridge, and he's the editor of a film called Adrift. Oh 
editor's job on a film like Adrift is twofold. He has to liven up the story that, on paper at any rate, is essentially what it says on the packet, surviving on a boat that is slowly drifting to oblivion. And he has to make sure that every step is absolutely clear as he cuts backwards and forwards in time and space. The film opens with no preamble. Tammy Oldham regains consciousness on a sinking yacht. The mast has been shattered, there's no engine, and there's no sign of her fiancé, Richard Sharp. But then, the first bit of good luck. She sees Richard clinging to some wreckage nearby. He's dazed and badly injured, but alive. Tammy swims to his rescue. Then, back on the boat, they plan their next move. It's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of you. We're thousands of miles from land. We're not in any flight paths. That's like a 1,500-square-mile search area. A needle in a blue haystack. Is So, how did they get here? In a series of flashbacks, we meet Tammy, a plucky if directionless adventurer, bumming around the Pacific. Then one day in Tahiti, she spots the glamorous Richard sailing his own yacht into port. So why Tahiti? What brought you here? I want to chase adventures. Hello, who's this guy? She has a way. Tammy is played by Shailene Woodley, once a sort of B-movie Jennifer Lawrence type, before making her own way in the TV series Big Little Lies. Richard is played by English actor Sam Claflin, another probable in the Stars of Tomorrow team. They're both rather good in Adrift. How would you like to sail the Hosanna to California for us? What do you think? I think a thousand miles is insane. I'm not going anywhere without you. Come sail with me. Tammy and Richard decide to take the offer to sail a yacht back to California across the wide Pacific. What, we landlubbers ask, could possibly go wrong? Well, the answer is a massive hurricane, one of the worst on record. Hurricane Raymond has taken an unexpected turn and has been upgraded to a Category 5. We need to make sure everything's secure. The effects work is impressive, done more than when the terrifying super wave comes up behind them and knocks the yacht for six. But equally impressive to me was the cunning structure of the film Adrift. As some smart aleck once said, a film has to have a beginning, a middle and an end, but not necessarily in that order. What's it like sailing out there all alone? You're either sleep deprived or seasick, and after a few days there's hallucinations. Why do you do it? It's a feeling I can't describe. It's just you and the infinite horizon. Icelandic director Balthazar Kormakur and Kiwi editor John Gilbert have clearly decided to take this to the limit. Since the story is essentially Tammy and Richard drifting for days, turning this into a gripping narrative is no mean feat from everyone involved. My ribs are broken, my legs shattered, I'm dead weight. I've been to Hawaii. 
It's like a 2,000 mile shot at a moving target. If you miss away... If we miss away, we die. Now, obviously, I have no idea how much of the film was pre-planned in the script and how much created in post-production. But it's so clearly constructed and the plot twists and turns so seamlessly achieved that editor Gilbert's fingerprints seem all over it. I can't do this. You can do anything you put your mind to. I settled halfway around the world to find you. A drift is part of a well-trodden tradition, the one that forces the audience to suffer along with its lead characters. And like its predecessors, it succeeds or fails on the strength of its ending. Without wanting to spoil it, I think I can safely say the ending is worth the wait. And speaking of endings, that's it for this week's show. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.